Hello, hello, and welcome. It has been a minute. Um, almost a month, if I remember correctly. Um, well, more than a month. Um, I thought it had been a while. Um, about a month and a half by the time this, this, uh, releases and you are hearing it. Um, but, um, I'm just going to start, this season's going to be a little different, probably. Um, you know me by now, if you've listened to a lot of these episodes, I can, um, have pretty good intentions to do a certain specific thing and, uh, it will or won't happen. Um, but I've got some, well, let's just say this, the planned primary theme for this season, um, from the 17th of January to the 2nd of May is the, um, probable course of this season. Um, I'm aiming for one episode a week for the main themed episodes. And then if I'm inspired to do something else, I will throw that in there another day. So we're going to be dropping every Tuesday. That's the goal. Every Tuesday. Um, from the 17th of January to the 2nd of May. Will that happen? Hopefully. Um, if it does, I think that's 16 episodes. I think I counted. Um, I could be wrong. But I do want to, if I want to do some other stuff, like perhaps, um, like for the for the book, for the Cafe Outlet book club I do this month, we're going to be doing Their Eyes Were Watching God, which does not fit into the theme. Zora Neale Hurston, um, the book, came out in like 37 I want to say somewhere in there um and this season I don't think I've said it yet is going to be contemporary literature um and by contemporary for the purposes of this season of the podcast I am talking about 1990 up until the present just to give myself some some parameters as to what I can and cannot um, do theoretically. Um, so those will be Tuesday episodes. Tuesday episodes will be the contemporary theme. There will be bonus episodes occasionally. I think I'll probably do one on their eyes. We're watching God, um, because that is the book of the month for January. And, but I will be also have a book of the month for February, March, and April that I will probably end up doing a podcast episode on some of those, or I may just be inspired to do, um, something random, um, on another day. And those episodes will probably be releasing on Fridays when I do them. Um, so I do have some ideas as to some potential, um, potential books um, primarily books. I've, I've got a list of novels that I want to do. Um, and I will not be doing all of them. Um, so if you 
have one of these that I mentioned that you specifically just really want, um, then, then let me know. Send me a message on Instagram. Probably is the best way to do it. Um, and yeah, so um, this episode is on The Netanyahu's by Joshua Cohen, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 2022. Um, so I figured we'd start off with a with a banger, and it was a banger of sorts. Um, I also want to do Sing Unburied Sing by Jesmyn Ward at some point. Um, I think Camden is going to going to be on for that one because she loves that book um i want to do some poetry from like jericho brown ocean vuong natasha trethaway um maybe one or two more contemporary um poets um the great city's duology by nk jemison which might be a two-episoder because there's the city we became then there's the world we make, I think might be the title of the second one, which is out now. Um, so I've read the city we became at the very end of 2022. One of the last books I read, but I need to read the other one. because I want to do those together since it's a duology. It's only, it's only two books. So I think we, they should be able to be talked about together fairly easily. Um, also got the secret history by Donna Tart, which I've wanted to do something with. Um, it just as an excuse to talk about the Bacchae. Um, Euripides is that guy. So in a similar but different vein, something I haven't read yet, but am looking forward to reading um, for fun, but also hopefully to include in this season is Babel by R.F. Kuang. Um, those are all very, all the stuff I've mentioned so far is very likely going to happen the rest of this is um sort of potential whatever fits whatever i'm feeling week to week could work its way in here um fight club chuck polonic on earth we're briefly gorgeous ocean vuong that's that's a highly likely one right there actually uh, jaber crow by wendell berry um, long division by kiese Lehman, which is i've I've enjoyed his book of essays and his memoir. So I have not read this novel yet, but if it, if I enjoy it as much as I think I will and get to it through the course of the season, then I will, would love to do something on it. Um, the passenger and Stella Morris by Cormac McCarthy, his, his new, um, duology, I guess their companion companion novels, um, are both out at this point. I'm reading the passenger now and enjoying it. So, um, that could be something to look at. Um, the Sympathizer by Viet Thanh Nguyen. And I should have looked up how to say that. Um, hopefully I got that right. Um, it won the Pulitzer five, seven, ten years ago, somewhere in there, I believe. So it's, it's, it's something I think is interesting is would be interesting to to read and uh talk about we will see american psycho by brett easton ellis at the very it was like 91 i think when that was published so i want to read that um it could be something in tandem maybe even with the secret history um by donna tart since they went to college together 
um, could be interesting. Um, let's see the corrections, Jonathan Franzen, another book that I've been meaning to read for a long time. And maybe, maybe by mentioning it, I will, um, make it a priority. It's, it's like, it's a pretty long book as well. Um, probably closing in on 600 pages over 500. Um, so hopefully if I can get to that, that might be good. It's, I've heard really, really good things about, um, that book. So, um, let's see. Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Heard tons of good things about, um, the author, uh, or the author's writing anyway. Um, I don't know much about the author. Um, a visit from the goon squad just sounded interesting. Uh, it was a Pulitzer winner as well, uh, by Jennifer Egan. Um, and Tender is the Flesh by Agustina Basterica. Again, should have looked up pronunciation there. Um, that just looked like a super weird, interesting book, which I like weird, interesting books. Um, and I kind of want to do a story from the collection, uh, Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung. It just came out in the States, um, I think a month ago or something it's it's pretty fresh out in the in the states um it was out in other parts of the world before it i i got my hands on a couple of the stories um previously so that is interesting um that's all i've got listed as potential or probable episodes so far um so yeah um, looking forward to reading some contemporary literary fiction novels. Um, hopefully, hopefully some really good things. Um, that's one thing. I don't want to do a bunch of stuff I've read before, particularly this. Um, I want to discover some new stuff and talk about it. Um, new to me anyway, I'm sure I'm, I'm often behind the times, so to speak on, on a lot of these lot of these books and and whatnot um i don't usually jump on trends until like after they're dying out um because i'm an old man 29 years old um yeah so i guess we can move on once we get some light up in here there we go Got some light on and uh, move onward into the portion of this episode that is actually about the book, The Netanyahu's, which I am not pronouncing exactly right, I'm pretty sure, um, by Joshua Cohn. Um, I think I mentioned it won the Pulitzer Prize in 2022. It is a historical campus novel, which is... I love campus novels. They're like my first, I've, I've got one and a half campus novels, um, that I've, that I've written. Um, Isabella is a very weird psychological campus based novel. Um, a lot of things happen on or just off of campus. Um, and then the, pretty much the whole, uh, yeah, the whole first half of, of a Southern pressure is um takes place on a college campus as well so um some of my favorite books are campus novels 
Um, Fitzgerald's This Side of Paradise, his first novel was a campus novel. Um, you got a separate piece by John Knowles that was a campus novel. Um, of course, the Harry Potter series are basically campus novels. Secret History is a twisted, dark campus novel. Um, Ninth House, a newer one by Lee Bardugo, is a campus novel. And there are tons and tons of campus novels. Um, it's basically just a novel. Exactly like it sounds, a novel that is set on a like, college or boarding school type campus, um, usually. Um, what else? What else? It is, the style is academic and comedic, which is a wild juxtaposition. Um, but... Um, the author does a really good job connecting those two, I think. Um, it deals heavenly, heavenly, it deals heavily, and uh, it, it does a heavenly job um, dealing with, um, you know, uh, let's see, like the dias that diaspora, um, anti-Semitism, um, being Jewish in America. The book's set in the late 50s, early 60s, I believe. Um, uh, I learned a lot about uh, Jewish history and like the the very kind of basic ideas of how the Israeli, the country of Israel, the modern day country of Israel, um, sort of came about in this in this book. Um, there's like that heavy historical element, but it's also just pure chaos at times. And I just, I, I really, really in, enjoyed that. Um, in the, what is essentially the afterward, I think they called it, he, he calls the, the quote chapter, the, um, calls it credits and extra credit. So he got the author, I say he, the author got the idea from, uh, renowned literary critic Harold Bloom, um, who the author spent some time with, not like in, in the year or so leading up to uh, when when uh, Harold Bloom died, um, kind of leading up into that. It was like 2013-ish, somewhere around in there. I think that could be completely wrong. Um, yeah, but anyway, about the like the year leading up to to Harold Bloom's death, um, and Harold Bloom had uh, had the Net and Yahoo's um, Ben Benzion, I think is how you pronounce um, Netanyahu, who was a historian, um, the father of Bibi Netanyahu, um, Benjamin Netanyahu, who is once again currently the prime minister of Israel. Um, so it's a story about that. Uh, the current, um, he does, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu does make an appearance in, um, in the book briefly and wildly. Um, but he's like seven or 10 years old, I think, I think 10 years old or something like that. Um, 
and it's so it's mainly about his his father Benzion, um, who comes to visit um, looking for a professorship at at this college that um, um, Professor Blum, who is our narrator and uh, I guess protagonist, if you will. Um, has to like escort him around and uh this is where you get some of the some of the anti-semitism in the book the author's not being anti he's just demonstrating what that looks like in america particularly in the 60s when it was much in a lot of ways much more out in the open than it might be uh today i'm sure it depends on where you live there's assholes everywhere um who probably still behave in such ways and say derogatory things, use derogatory terms, stuff like that. Um, that's everywhere. It, it'd be nice if it would all go away, but it's probably not going away anytime soon. Um, but yeah, so Professor Blum is a Jewish man. He's the only Jewish faculty at the school and so they rope him into um, sort of being the head of hiring um, for this other Jewish man, um, basically for that exact reason. Um, so they're kind of like, "Hey, you're a you're a Jew. Um, he's a Jew. So we're gonna let you handle this." And there's a there's a scene in the book where I think it's his mother-in-law. Um, I think it's his mother-in-law might be someone else kind of brings up like they're not setting you up exactly, but they're kind of like um, the, the rest of the committee, like by assigning you to this role, like if you hire him, you're just hiring him because he's Jewish. Um, if you don't hire him, you're not hiring him because you're kind of playing the opposite because you don't want to appear like you're partial to, um, another Jew. So it's kind of like this can't win situation for him that he's been put into, um, for the wrong, for the wrong, wrong reasons. Um, let's see. Um, you see this pressure to conform sort of throughout the novel. And I think one of the biggest sort of, um, thing that like really really demonstrates this the scene in the in the book where um his parents um Blum's parents are visiting and his his daughter whose name is Judy I believe has been talking about how she wants to get a nose reduction because her nose is so big and it really like I don't remember how much exactly says it but you definitely realize that she's um probably being made fun of or being singled out um, because of this um, feature in, in a community that's not particularly friendly towards um, Jews. So you see she the daughter sets it up where um, she convinces her, um, I guess grandfather to burst 
through the door because she says it's locked. She says she's out of the way because um, she can't get out of her room or whatever. So, but she, in, but really, she's just she was putting her all her weight against it, so he couldn't like push it open. And then when he, when uh, he goes to burst it open, she puts her nose right in front of the doorknob. So she gets her surgery um, in a very extreme manner. Like she has felt so much that she has to fit in that she's willing to um, call it self-mutilation by proxy, you know, um, just a very extreme measure to take. And so they, of course, um, that just that extra pressure that is put on um, a child to fit in. Um, I think she's like 16, 17, 18. Um, so toward the upper, upper range of, she's about to go off for college. She's filling out his, she's filling out college applic applications and all sorts of things. Um, and I think she, she wants to be able to fit in when she goes somewhere else and not be singled out so much. Um, especially for um, what many perceive as like negative reasons. Um, I guess if I'm making any sense at all. Um, let's see. What else do I have here? There's another, um, it's just little, a bunch of little things that don't seem overly harsh. And if it weren't for like the reason behind it probably wouldn't be that harsh but just like um blum is sort of forced to play santa and they say it's because they sort of tell him like oh you, you have the beard for it right but really i don't know if they say it specifically or it's just, it's just kind of it's kind of obvious either way but like uh he he's jewish so he doesn't celebrate he doesn't celebrate christmas um so they're basically like at the staff holiday Christmas party. They're like, you can play Santa because that way everyone else can enjoy the Christmas party. Like you're, you don't celebrate it anyway. So may as well be you. Um, there's also, let me think. It's just like he's continually singled out. Um, because he's Jewish, and that's that's it. Um, and there's a, there's a part at the end of the book where him and his wife are walking home after um, Netanyahu gives his like lecture. Um, he's, he's he's visiting, giving a lecture, sort of as not really a tryout, but uh, basically like um, tryout or a preview if he were to be hired of what it's going to be like. Um, with having him teach or whatever. So they're walking back home and he says, uh, Blum says something about, um, being Jewish and his, his wife's like, I'm tired of being a Jew. Like, I just want to be a person. Right. Um, it's like, like, when did this become such a, like, why is this such a big deal? Why can't I just be, this is not word for word at all, but this is kind of like the sentiment that you get from it is like, why do I have to be a Jew? Why can't I just be a person? Why does it matter that? Why does everyone fixate on this 
one sort of thing about me like just you know um it's like it's academic and comedic it's not comedic in an out in an outright funny way it's a it's comedic in uh like an absurd like an absolutely batshit insane sort of way um before i get into that there are like uh like the way it's written there's it's mostly um from the point of view of blum but there's also like two or three epistolary chapters that are just letters um describing uh netanyahu's um merits or like his they're basically like recommendation letters quote unquote but one of them's not so much of a recommendation letter he's like i wish i could recommend him to you just so he would get away from where i am um get out of this country or whatever um is it country or is it just the institution i don't remember for sure but like one of his uh one of his um colleagues or some someone who who was sort of recommending him quote unquote um was being really honest it's like i I wish i could fully recommend him but said i'm just going to um give you some facts about him like because honestly he's he's like i'm i I was tempted to um just tell you how great he was just so um he would leave here basically um so those are those are super interesting a couple of chapters in their own in their own way um but the further into the book you get, I think the more absurd the book does get. There are a couple of chapters where one chapter, um, there's, a, I don't remember which holiday. There's like a Jewish holiday where um, his wife's parents come, like uh, Blum's wife's parents come to visit. And so they're just like buying all these nice clothes um, for his um, for his do- for Judy, his daughter, um, you know, doing the what you the stereotypical in law thing of like, sort of like just either backhanded compliments or just downright just like kind of snide comments um, that are kind of stereotypical, um, not only in fiction but in life. Um, and then his his parents come to get it, and you already heard a little bit about that fiasco. But there's also like an earlier sort of thing where um, his dad and his daughter get into this argument about fairness because um, Judy's forced not forced she chose to write her, one of her college entrance essays on fairness, so they get to talk about it. And he's like, and the, her grandfather is talking about how like you think you know what fairness is, you know, you don't know what fairness is. Like, you don't know what I've had to deal with in my life. Like, you know, you've lived in America all your life. You've never had to deal with, um, I think they came from like, I don't remember. I want to say came from like a Soviet state, but that might've been, might've just been Netanyahu's family. Anyway, um, not that important for the point I'm trying to make. Um, but yeah, like, it's like, you know, you don't know, you're, you're just a kid. You don't know 
you've never been treated that unfairly. You know, what do you know about fairness? Um, to insist, you know, is kind of crazy. And she, and she just does not back down. She's like staring him down, dude. Um, it's pretty cool, but also absurd. But he, at one point he pulls the, the cake slicer or something. He's a, like, he's holding it like a weapon. And uh, Blum is forced to like step in between his dad and his daughter. And it's just like, what is going on? Um, it's just crazy. Um, and then there's the last, the last couple chapters of the book, um, where the Benzion Netanyahu and shows up outside, um, the house in like a half broken down car. Um, Blum's expecting him, the whole college is expecting him to come alone but he's got his family with him. Um, he, it, the family is just wild. The kids are doing whatever they want. He's trying to get them. Um, Blum and Blum's wife are trying to get, um, let's say, let's just say the Blums. The Blums are trying to get the Netanyahu's to take their shoes off when they enter the home. It's snowing outside. It's going to create a big mess on the carpet and the, uh, like the hardwood and all sorts of stuff. Like it's just um, going to create a mess and you know, th- they want to keep their house clean, you know, naturally. So instead of tracking snow and all sorts of uh, dirt, whatever's on your shoes, um, I guess mud, if it depending like snow, mud, um, if it's melting, sure. Um, you know, just keep your house clean. And he's like, and so they don't want to take their shoes off. They eventually get them to take their shoes off, um, which I had, I saw something, someone review it. It's like sort of like the ancient, uh, I guess ancient is the right word. The uh, old, old uh, Jewish or Hebrew custom of kind of washing your guests feet when they come into the home. It's sort of like a play on that, but different, um, which is kind of something it's a little little interesting to consider there, um, if you would like to. There's also um, just the sheer chaos of the moment, um, where like these parents have no control over their kids. They're the exact opposite of the Blums. They're just there's three kids. One of them is the future prime minister. Of Israel, and uh, again, Joshua Khan is very much against saying how much of this was exactly what he heard from Harold Bloom, and how much of it is fiction, and to what extent it is fictionalized. Fictionalized, which is fair, because that's that's not the point. The point is not to um. The point is not whether how much of it is real or fake it's it's a it's a novel it's it, that's not the point it's making it's not meant to be a story about who is now the prime minister of england at uh, england <laughs> prime minister of israel at like 10 years old running around like a wild man you know it's not that's not the point um and it's kind of funny to think about um in a way um but i digress um, and then so they go to this lecture thing and they come back home and they come home 
and they've had this they got this new color tv not too long ago in the book um while their daughter was after her daughter the daughter daughter can't talk after judy had had her surgery for her nose um to fix it because it was severely damaged like even like the ability to breathe and stuff severely damaged beyond repair or not beyond repair but you know um in need of surgical repair after the incident with the door that she um sort of constructed um so they they got this color tv um which is sort of an Amer- like american status symbol at that point like a lot of families didn't even have tvs in the sixties. And if they did, they were probably still black and white for the most part. Um, very few families, especially like the family of a teacher, like a professor at a college probably would have had a color television at that time. Um, so it was kind of like a splurge. They were, they felt guilty about, it was a guilt purchase. I think, um, uh, they felt like they had failed, uh, their daughter, I think, like how how could we have let it get to this point where she was willing to mutilate herself, um, like like that, just to just to fix her nose, you know, um, just kind of the thing. Like I think most parents would kind of feel some sort of like guilt, whether deserved or not, that they'd failed their kid if in that sort of situation. It'd just be kind of sort of hard. So they kind of like spend a little extra time, like extra, extra money, extra time. Like kind of, they put, they put the TV in her room at first, but like when she starts to get better, they, the TV ends up in the living room where it was supposed to be the whole time. So, but anyway, that digression, because when they come home after this lecture, um, they get there and Judy has been sort of talked into or forced into babysitting the three, um, Netanyahu boys who are just kind of, you know, they're seven to 12 year old boys. They're crazy. Um, <laughs> no, no other way to put it. I was, me and my brother were varying levels of crazy at that age as well. So, um, they can only, we weren't this crazy because we were fairly disciplined. Um, so there's, there's an extent to this, but we've, all known families who had or like kids who had really lenient parents who let them do whatever they want and so they just go nuts especially when they're somewhere else um but again i digress um one of the the youngest kid the television is face down and the kid is lying on top of the tv i think or like on the ground next to it or something they're like is he dead and they see him moving like okay well there's glass everywhere he's like getting cut up a little bit um, they go upstairs, I think, or like towards their room, their daughter's room, and they see Bibi, who is Benjamin Netanyahu, is has fallen asleep. He was supposed to be looking out, apparently, because the 12-year-old is in bed with um Judy who was supposed to be babysitting, but instead has somehow, whether she's rebelling or like whatever's going on there, they're, they're doing the dirty, um, which is, I think she's like 17, 16, 17, at least, if not 18. So this is 
super weird on multiple, multiple levels. Um, just insane because the oldest boy is like 12 or 13. Maybe it's 13. But either way, it's like way younger um, to someone who is right at the verge of, of adulthood. Um, and so he... I think the older boy's name's Yoni. Um, so BB yells Yoni and just takes off running. Um, and so you see Yoni appear in the doorway, ass naked, just, you know, he's been, you know, and <laughs> so he's, he's hard, you know, he takes off running. They both run out into the snow. It's snowing. It's freezing outside. And they take off outside. So they're like, now we gotta go find these kids. Blum's pissed. You know, like any father would be when he comes home to any, either part of this situation. Um, but much less all of it put together. He's already had a rough, rough day um, with everything else that's been going on with um, Benzion. And, yeah, just absolute wild, wild ending. Um, but I think, so it's, it's, it's enjoyable on multiple levels. It's, it's enjoyable on an intellectual sort of level, the book is, because you get a lot of academic sort of writing and history on Israel and, like, what it means, um, like, just thoughts and... Um, musings on what does it mean to be Jewish? What does it mean to be Jewish in America? Um, just sort of the diaspora element, the, the, the dealing with the subtle, um, but powerful also like subtle and powerful can be the same thing. Like you can be, like the subtle anti-Semitism that just kind of adds and builds and adds and builds um, to like, so that like, it's not full on discrimination. Like, it's not like they're not allowed to go places. It's like, but they are, um, the Blums are looked down on in this community to an extent um, just because of their uh, heritage. You get a lot of the, um, and through that history, through the Benzion Netanyahu like narrative and the research that Blum does, looking into this man who he's got to either hire or not hire. Basically, he's 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 got the most responsibility on whether they, he's not the only decision deciding factor. Like he, but he's a large part of whether whether the man gets hired or not as a history professor. Um, of course, you're also looking at like they're trying to hire. Uh, Netanyahu because he's not because his um, history deals a lot with the sort of Jewish history in particular um, and he's got a very specific um, revisionist Zionist spin on it um, as well um, but like the Jewish history a lot of people especially you know would kind of think of the Jewish history as like the Bible. Cause there's a lot of it, a lot of it in there. It's not certainly not all of it, certainly just a piece of it. And it's very um, specific to a theme and an idea. Um, it's being used for certain 
message. So it's definitely not a comprehensive history of the people. Um, but someone from a Christian background in the 1960s who was predisposed to um, kind of brush it off as whatever. Um, probably, so they're, they're forcing, he's going to have to teach history and um, a religion class on the Bible. Um, basically just because he's Jewish and he deals with uh, Jewish history, which is not the same thing as religious interpretation of the Bible, um, even if there is some overlap in that. So they're kind of, he's kind of being forced, if he does get the job, he's going to be forced to do that. And he really does not want to teach religion. That's not what he wants to do. That's not what he has studied. That's not his focus at all. Um, but they're kind of forcing it like they're, they force the, uh, they force Blum to sort of do the same thing. He's having to teach like a accounting class or something. It's not accounting, I don't think, but something like that, um, for basically the same like tax taxing or something. He's, he's basically being forced to do the same sort of thing, but he sorts of, he sort of like just kind of shrugs it off and it's like, it, it, it comes with the territory. Whereas, um, Benzion and Yahoo is kind of the opposite. He's like, this shouldn't, this is not how it should be. Um, arguably to too much of an extreme, like even to the point where there's some like minor, someone called it like a, it might've been the author himself who is Jewish. So he can say what he wants, um, I guess, but, um, almost sort of low grade terrorism, almost sort of, um, things. I think it was like a stink bomb that Netanyahu set off or something like, so it's not like a, a violent sort of extremism necessarily. Um, but it is, it is an extreme, uh, display, I guess maybe, um, that's not the word. What am I looking for? Um, anyway, hopefully you understand what I'm trying to say here. Definitely a much more extreme stance, um, which is not all bad. Um, cause to be that passionate about something, um, which eventually sort of ended up bringing the, um, nation state of Israel back is sort of what this, what that kind of all played a part in. Um, wow. This is really hard to talk about concisely. Um, so hopefully, I've, if nothing else, I've convinced you to read this book. Um, I think in order to really um, fully dive in and and get all that this book is trying to say, it would take multiple reads, would take um, some research outside, um, because you are dealing with historical figures here, which is super interesting in literature. Um, like how like how much of it is based in fact how much of it actually not is only not not only based in fact but how much of it actually happened as well um and how much is um fictionalized beyond um just a, a normal like sort of interpretation of what happened um so yeah um i think i'm gonna kind of kind of stop there for now because um I could go on postulating and 
uh, I could grab the book, flip through pages and just sort of try to dig in, but it wouldn't, it would just be even more random than what I've been doing already. Um, thank God I took some notes, um, even like just minimum notes before I started this or this could have gone even worse. Um, but yeah, hopefully some of that, um, made some semblance of sense. Um, but if you haven't read this book already and you just listen to that absolute wild version of events that I said, then, um, it probably made no sense. If you've read it, um, you obviously would know what I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah. So if you haven't read it and you made it this far, that's, that's impressive. And I, I thank you either way if you've made it this far, but, um, it's this episode's getting a little, little long, which I think episodes this season are probably going to end up being a little longer just because I'm dealing so frequently with novels. I may have to split some of them, some of them up like the secret history, which is just going to be a lot, a lot to handle in a, um, single go, which might, I might carry, uh, an episode over like do a Tuesday and a Friday or something. Cause I do want to keep that Friday as a second day of the week. Um, open for possibilities, but I do, I'm probably going to just do mainly just do one episode a week is the goal. Um, don't want to dig myself into too much of a hole. Um, so we're going to have those main episodes. And then if something else strikes my fancy, then I will do that as well. Hope to have, hope to have, uh, I'm almost certainly going to have Camden on cause she might kill me if I do. I'm seeing unburied sing without her. Um, would love to have uh, Cody back on as well. Um, and maybe I can find another guest or two along the way. Cause I think I have, I have a lot of fun doing this where I just sit down and just try to try to dive in and just spill my, my mind about, um, about a book. But I think, I think it's, it's also beneficial and um, more entertaining. Certainly I would say um, this is more of, I guess a lecture type thing. You're just listening to me talk. Whereas if there's a conversation going on, you're listening to a conversation. I feel like that's, that's much more approachable, much more enjoyable for the most part. Um, I think I tend to prefer podcasts where people are talking to each other um, and conversing about something. Um, that's personally what I, I think I enjoy. So I would love to be able to do something like that if I could find someone who could do more full time. Um, but the way I operate is, often not conducive to um, something like that. So it's, it's more my fault than anything. But um, yes, um, I have been rambling for quite a while now. Um, and I know there's probably like 10, 15 minutes of introduction before I even got into the book. So I think I'm going to leave you here. Um, until next time, keep on reading. <laughs>